There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and you're listening to Health Essentials Podcast by Cleveland Clinic. Today, we're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic main campus here in Cleveland, Ohio, and we're here with Dr. Roxanne Sukol. Dr. Sukol is a staff physician in the executive health program here at Cleveland Clinic, and today we're talking about mindfulness. See how I did that? <laughs> and please remember, this is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. And before we jump into topic, I want to say thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. And for taking the time. But I'm going to ask you some questions, kind of just personal questions to get to know you on a personal level. Okay. That's okay? Yeah, yeah. All right. So who or what inspires you to be a better person? Uh, I think I would have to say um, my family and my patients. Excellent. Good, my, good answer. My, my patients are uh, have taught me so much about what works and what's important and and how to frame things in a way that is meaningful and respectful yeah. and, and supportive and kind. And, and I would say the same about my family. I love that. And I'm sure it's reciprocal. I'm sure they also feel the same way about you. And if you could not work for a year, what would you be doing? Uh, I would finish my book. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what, what is I your would book be about? Doing. My book is about changing the way we talk about food. Um, oh. I have a lot of interests in wellness in general, okay. but I'm particularly interested in what we eat. Excellent. And, I uh, love that. And which things we eat that are really food that mm -hmm. nourish us, and which things we eat that aren't really food, uh, I would have to say they don't nourish us, but they do entertain us. Yes. And there is benefit to entertainment, but it's not food. Sure, sure. So what is that book called? I don't have the title You don't yet. have the title? Yeah, okay. I'll be, I'll be staying tuned. I'm very excited for that. Um, and, well, my next question is, what book has influenced you the most, or movie? So I am an inveterate fiction reader, <laughs> and uh, one book that I, that I come back to all the time and that I share with my patients a lot and I recommend to people is uh, a book called Let the Great World Spin by Colm McCann. Hmm. Uh, he lives in New York City. I think he's an Irish immigrant. And uh, I actually read that book three times. It's the only book I've ever read three times. Wow. I'm not usually a rereader. Um, there's so much out there, and uh, there's so little time, so oh, I'm God. always on to the next thing. But when I finished that book for the first time, I thought there is some deeper truth in here that I did not, I did not connect yes. to. But, oh, it, but I know sweet. it's there. Sure. So I read it again. And when I finished it, I turned it over and read it a third time. That's and amazing. then I knew what, what it was. And what it is is that in this book, all the good and all the bad and all the things that happen to the characters, and some are pretty terrible mm -hmm. and some are pretty wonderful, everything is totally connected. And that is, that is life. Everything in life is completely connected. Yes. People meet and fall in love at funerals. Mm -hmm. They get out of jail in this book and they have a car accident on the way home. You know, everything is connected. Yes. And if we can remember that, I think it helps us to ride the waves a little bit better in life and to know that um, that things aren't all bad or all good, but, but they're all connected. Yes, and and yes. that we deserve to celebrate and we deserve to, uh, to feel as good as we can possibly feel 
when the good things happen. Yes, yes. And there's good and bad always happening and there's always a balance and to also look at the positive, not just the negative because a lot of people dwell on that as well. That's very good. I'm going to add For that sure. to my list. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So let's start off with mindfulness. Now, what is mindfulness? Is it to clear your mind? Is it to focus on just one thing? Can you tell me the definition? Mindfulness is being present in the current moment. And however you do that is mindfulness. We spend a lot of time anticipating concerns that most of which never even happen. And that causes anxiety. We spend a lot of time ruminating about what I should have done, what I should have said. I had the opportunity. I blew it. That's all looking at the past. Mm -hmm. If we spend all our time thinking about what might happen or what did happen, then we literally miss our life. Yeah. Our whole life is right now, right here, this conversation. And if we don't remember that this is where we are right now, then we, then we miss out, I think. That's mindfulness. There are lots of ways to accomplish it, but that's it at, at its core. It's about being present in the present moment. And your thoughts, everything you talk about, not what's coming up that makes you anxious or something that made you depressed, but literally just living right now with what's happening. That's excellent. So it seems like a quality that maybe every human already possesses rather than something that we can observe, correct? I think we all possess the capability, okay. but I'm not sure that... I, I think we all could benefit from being brought back to the concept from time to time, mm -hmm. because we do spend a lot of time thinking about planning for the future uh, or worrying. Um, and I think that to the extent that we can spend more time in the present, I think we'll all benefit from it. Sure, great. So let's talk about some of the proven techniques to help us tap into mindfulness. Um, you know, meditation obviously being one. Um, can you talk about the different techniques that we could do? Yeah, there are lots of different kinds of meditation. There is a mindfulness meditation. There are breathing meditations. There are guided meditations. There are lots of apps that uh, give people an opportunity to be guided. Mm -hmm. uh, not everybody meditates sitting still in a chair. Some uh, One time I had a, a very high-strung patient uh, who... I felt really would benefit from a meditative kind of experience, but uh, they said, uh, I can never do that. that. That's not me. And I knew that was true. But later they said to me uh, that every day they go to a pool and they swim half a mile. And, uh, and they said that their spouse called it counting the tiles, not swimming. Like, did you go count the tiles yet? And, um, and I thought, that's your meditation. That's what takes their brain off the rails and, and makes time melt away, essentially. Yeah. So, so there are lots of different ways to be mindful. So something like sports, as long as you're, cause you're only worried about your next step or what you're doing right now, that could be meditative. And how about like something like yoga? Well, for sure yoga. Let me just talk about sports for one yes. second. I think that that's definitely a mindful activity mm. because you have to stay in the present in order to accomplish your goals, right. uh, but it might. But I don't know that it's meditative exactly. Okay. I think repetitive activity that you do on your own could be meditative, um, but not. But it's a little bit different than mindful. Sure. Uh, a lot of crossover and overlap, but but not exactly the same. Yoga is 
a way of being mindful mm -hmm. in, uh, in different positions. Mm -hmm. I completed the yoga teacher training course here last year mm -hmm. at Cleveland Clinic, yeah. so I am a certified yoga teacher. All right. And <laughs> what I learned in that course is that yoga is not about the positions. Yoga is about the breath. I have heard yoga teachers say that many, many times over the years, but I never really understood what it meant until I spent enough time doing it that it finally came to me. Each position is a vessel for the breath. Mm. And, and one of the major benefits of yoga is learning how to calm your mind in the setting of mild discomfort. Wow. So you find a position, you lean into it to a place where you're just a little uncomfortable, no sharp shooting pain, no damage, yeah. just a little, a little bit of a, an edge, you yes. know, to the discomfort. And then you keep breathing. Like you keep, uh, some people say you keep sending oxygen to the place. Uh, I don't know that that's exactly <laughs> physiologically true. But you definitely are continuing to calm your nervous system. So there are two sides to nervous system. I explain this to patients just like this. The gas and the brakes. You need both to drive safely. Mm -hmm. But we live in a society that has everybody pressing their gas pedal all the way to the ground all the time, even yes. though you know you don't get your best mileage with your engine racing. Yes. Okay. So the question is, how do you improve the tone in your brake pedal to make it a more worthy partner for your gas pedal? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, stimulate the vagus nerve. What is that? It's the biggest brake pedal nerve in your body, spelled V-A-G-U-S, no relation to vagus. And all you have to do to stimulate that nerve is to take a deep breath, literally. This is why upset 13-year-olds scream at their friend, take a deep breath, dude, <laughs> or we sigh when we get into hot water. It's yeah. embedded in our language. These are examples of taking a deep breath after the fact. You're already a little ratcheted up. Yeah. I'm proposing learning how to improve the tone in your baseline vagal tone, vagus, okay. so that the next time somebody does something that ordinarily would send you flying right off the cliff, instead, ideally, after you've been practicing for a while, you could be like, I wonder why that presses my buttons, mm. instead of just going off. Yeah. So, um, so that, I think, is one of the many benefits of yoga, is that you're taking these deep breaths, and that calms your nervous system, mm -hmm. it, it strengthens your vagus nerve, and it makes it a more worthy partner for your gas pedal. Gas pedal is called fight or flight, runs on adrenaline. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard of that. Yes. You know what the brake pedal is called? No. You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Most people don't know. Rest and digest. Wow. I had no idea that even existed. Rest and digest. Right. So this is why we get butterflies in our stomach or we have to, we say expressions like trust your gut. Right. So I, I'm very much a word person and I love when words give me insight into how human beings think. Yes. And I, I think these are all examples of that. Yes. And so I want to take advantage of those connections and share them with patients. Um, it has just enough of a connection to something they already know, that it gives them like a comfortable bridge to this place that mm -hmm. I'm taking them, and then they can take it home and experiment for themselves. Now, is there a certain spot in our body where this vagus nerve lives? It runs from the brainstem to the diaphragm. Oh, okay, from the brain, interesting. Right. Okay, so instead of, let's say, I'm driving and someone cuts me off and I see myself, you know, getting heated up, I would just breathe and just think, about, of deep think about what's happening instead of react without thinking. 
Right. Just take a couple deep breaths. That's all. You know, I started meditating, I want to say, four years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly when. I took a course, and they talked about meditation at the course. It wasn't a meditation course. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were talking about mindfulness, and I got interested. They showed a little YouTube video called 10% Happier Mm -hmm. by a celebrity named Dan Harris, who uh, was a newscaster. And Dan Harris had, was living a little too exciting of a life okay. and, uh, and needed to calm down, but he, that wasn't in his personality exactly. So uh, he actually had a panic attack on national TV. Oh, yes, I, I watched this. Yes. And it precipitated this interest. Like He was like, okay, i, I got to do something about this. Yeah. It's a pretty terrifying experience. Yeah. So he's done a lot. He wrote a book. He has an app. And he has this short little YouTube video which explains how mindfulness works. Yes. 10% happier. And I watched it at this course, and I decided I was going to start to try to meditate. So I have a friend who's a member of the bar, and she teaches this meditation at the law school. So mm-hmm. I thought that would be a good one to try. And it's only one minute. So it's called one-minute meditation. You breathe in for five seconds. You breathe out for five seconds. That's your warm-up. Mm-hmm. And then you do it five more times. And that's it. Nice. Yeah, so I decided I would start doing it. Yeah. Six months later, one of my colleagues says to me, you're meditating, aren't you? (laughs) Wow. And I didn't even notice any difference at all. I still hadn't felt the difference. It took a full year before I noticed the difference. And now it's been a few years after that, and I really feel the difference. I'm I think that I'm more. I can be more reflective now instead yes. of r- more reactive. It, it's subtle, you know. It's not like your personality doesn't change. Right. But um, but you get it's you you just get a little bit more steady in your in your you get a little more grounded in yes. your in your stature. Yes. Um, like it's just not as easy to knock over your dominoes. Basically, right. they get right. a little more sturdy in their spots, and um, and I think that helps everyone around you. I think that's good for all your relationships with your friends, with your coworkers, with your kids, with yeah. your spouse, with, with everyone. I think it just really helps. Yeah, and it's just like you said, it sounds like it's literally controlling your reactions and thinking about it and being mindful before reacting. And I can see why someone can see that in you more than you see it in yourself because we don't see ourselves reacting. We only see other people. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, speaking of family and children, I, I take my kids quite a bit hiking in nature because I find that that's the only time they are the most present. They're not asking for snacks. <laughs> They're not asking for TV. They're literally just walking. And is that, would you call that meditative? Would you call that just mindful hiking? I, I or think both? <laughs> I, I think both. I mean, they're breathing yeah. deeply. Yeah. Um, they're much more attentive to what is right in front of them. Right. Um, they're less distracted. There's evidence, there's, there are data to suggest that just spending time in nature is good for our nervous systems yes. uh, in many different kinds of ways. Excellent. That's great. So um, what is the difference between mindfulness and meditation? And I know earlier when my first question about the techniques, you mentioned mindfulness meditation versus guided meditation or meditation. What is the difference between mindfulness and meditation, or is it the same thing? Yeah, no, well, I kind of made that up, what I said. But (laughs) I think mindfulness is being in the present moment, and there are many, many ways to accomplish that. Um, Meditation is focusing on your breath. And you can do meditation many different ways. Um, 
But a guided meditation, for example, where you feel your toes and you relax your toes and then you feel your feet and your ankles and you just go up and up and up. That's a guided meditation. You're not exactly focusing on your breath. Mm -hmm. But in the process of attending to one thing at a time, your breath becomes slower and deeper. Yeah. And so it becomes that kind of an experience. Sure. Um, meditation itself is about returning to the breath. And one of the things I've learned in the last few years that I didn't know before was that it's not, the goal is not to clear your mind of all thought. First of all, that's a physiologic impossibility. Our minds are always moving. And we have, I read something like 10,000 thoughts a day, or wow. maybe it was an hour, I don't know. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. <coughs> a lot more than you would even imagine. Uh, so the goal is not to clear your mind of all thought. The goal is to return to the breath. And it even looks like that action of returning to the breath is the beneficial aspect of meditation. That's what trains your vagus nerve to be stronger. So one thing I've discovered in recent years is that the things that distract me now give me insight into what's bothering me mm. or give me insight into possible solutions to things that are bothering me or like I didn't even realize that was bothering me but that's all I keep thinking about. I keep finding myself thinking about it. So I just return to the breath. Mm. And there are lots of ways to attend to your breath. You could feel the air that goes in and out of your nose. Mm -hmm. And if you do it for a little while and concentrate, you will notice that the air that you breathe in is cooler than the air you breathe out. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool. Nice. Um, it could be feeling the air fill your lungs. It could be feeling your belly go in and out. So there's not one way that's the right way to do it. It's just doing it sure. and, and finding something that you feel like you can focus on. And when you discover that your mind is a million miles away, you just go back to the breath. It's inevitable, and it's part of the activity, and it's even part of the solution. Yes. And it's kind of funny, even the terminology of returning to the breath. We've already been breathing. We just didn't <laughs> notice it, right? And that's right. Alan Watts, the philosopher that we were talking about earlier, talks about that quite a bit, that we're always breathing. Whether we think about it, whether we're intentionally doing it or not, it's still always happening, and it's just almost the awareness or the thought that it's happening is almost meditative on its own, mm -hmm. which is excellent. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about some of the benefits of uh, meditation. Um, obviously, to calm, you know, to calm ourselves is, is it also to be? Does it help us become more aware of our thoughts? Does it help us sleep better? Or is that not very meditative itself to talk about? <laughs> what are the benefits coming after doing it? Um. First of all, I don't think we have begun to understand all the benefits of meditation. I do think we're starting to see some of them, mm -hmm. but I think that this is the tip of the proverbial iceberg. Yes. Um, I think when people are less reactive in general, they become capable of more, um, a greater ability to connect to other people and to, to connect with the world in general. Um, I think it makes you kinder to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think, I, I don't know, I feel like the greatest thing I can do for a patient is to teach them to be kinder to themselves. Um, they self-medicate less with food. They find a little more energy to go for a walk in the middle of the day or to say, um, okay, I'm going to start 
getting on my rowing machine for five minutes a day, you know. No, I will never be an Olympic rower. I will never be able to, uh, to row for half an hour every single day. Yeah. But if I could just met row for five minutes a few times a week, that's a big improvement. Yes. And if I can get them to a point where they feel like that's um, a constructive use of their time, um, that all, in my mind, falls under the heading of being kinder to yourself. Yes. So that's a really important aspect of this to me. Yeah, that's, I love that because, I mean, when you meditate, you're alone. And a lot of people now, just like we mentioned earlier, there's so much going on. There's people are busy. I don't have time to sit down by myself and just think about my thoughts. So it teaches you to love yourself and to love being alone and to be okay. So I think that's, that's very important. And just like you mentioned earlier, people, when they think about meditation, some people don't even try and they'll say, I can never clear my mind of too many thoughts. And it seems to be the biggest misconception about meditation. Um, now, we are noticing our thoughts come and go and trying not to fixate on them, correct? Just kind of releasing your Let thoughts? Let them go. Okay. So can you explain what meditation is? And I think we've talked about it quite a bit. But if you don't mind, how to do it? Just... Kind of okay. step by step, just a few seconds. And if you're listening to this and you're driving, please be careful or don't do it. But um, your voice is very soothing, so I think this would be a, a nice little sample. Well, I'll tell you, when I first started doing my one-minute meditations, and I did them for a couple of years before I decided to move on to the next step, uh, when I first started, I would do it when I pulled into the parking garage at work. Mm. Uh, I liked that spot because I would drop my keys in my lap, turn up the car, drop the keys, and meditate for one minute, and then I'd go inside. So I liked that because I wasn't at home, I wasn't at work, I wasn't driving. Um, uh, it was like liminal time, you know? Yeah. You're not late, one minute. Right, and it's before the end of your day. It's calming everything down before starting your day. Right, so. right. It was a great way to yes. start the day. Yes. So I just dropped my keys in my lap, and it was exactly what I said before. Breathe in for five seconds. I would lower my lids, not always closed, but you know, decrease the visual stimulation, lower your lids, and then breathe in for five seconds, breathe out for five seconds, that's your warm-up, and then do it five more times. And that's the whole thing. And when your brain is racing, you're thinking, well, I have that meeting coming up, oh my God, my daughter failed her test, you're literally back to the breath. let it go and go back to your breath Just so you can not think. Just back to the breath, mm -hmm. right. Anytime things keep coming up over and over again, you know that that's something concerning. That, uh, that you're probably going to give some more attention to later. Mm -hmm. But not right now, because right now we're returning to the breath. Okay. And, um, and anything that, that, uh, that keeps coming up, uh, you don't have to write it down. You'll, later you'll remember. It'll come yes. back to you at some point, and you'll deal with it at that time. But this is like one minute off the rails. Okay. That's what I like to call it. Right. So breathe in and out as a practice or just in the beginning of warm-up, and then five more times and go back to the breath every time That's your it. thoughts take you away to any anxious or... To anything. Any no, to anything. Okay. It could be... Um, I mean, for a long time, I was distracted by things that I had to do that day. Yes. And then uh, at some point, my vagus nerve got stronger and gave me a break from like always thinking about what I have to do, what I have to do. Mm -hmm. And then um, for a long time, I found myself thinking about meditation, like... Um, feeling the cold keys, yes. or, um, or I wonder how many breaths that was. Did I, am I half done now? Wow. And I, I call that meta thing, <laughs> like meta distraction. Like yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about thinking about meditation, right. like that's not it either. Right. But um, in, in the last few months, I feel like 
I'm sure this continues over a life that you just continue to find yourself going through phases, but it's taken me a number of years now to really be comfortable about returning to the breath. Before, up until I think pretty recently, and maybe the last six months, whenever I would discover I was distracted, that would be like a demotion, like a, a demerit, you know? Yeah. Oh, you blew it. Back to the breath with you. You have you. to be kind to yourself. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but now it's much more fluid, like, oh, I was away, now I'm back. Yes. I was away, now I'm back. So, and, and that's taken a long time. So you yeah. just kind of have to trust the process. Yes. What happened to me in the process is that there used to be, I used to have a, a car with a little digital readout, so I would be very aware of the time. So I'd open my eyes in what I thought was a minute, and then I would move on. Mm. But then once in a great while, two minutes would have gone by, and I would be like, where was I? I didn't oh. even notice. And then once, six minutes went by. Wow. Are you in a trance state at that point, would you say? I, I don't think so. I think I was just in the groove, just wow. returning to the breath, you know, and I just lost my awareness of what was going on. So um, that was like an eye-opener, like, yeah. wow, there's there, something's happening. Something is changing here. And uh, I mean, it was a pretty long time before that happened, but then it happened. And um, they say you're supposed to meditate for 20 minutes. I don't know who they are, but I've heard that 20 minutes a day is best. And I even had a patient last week tell me 20 minutes twice a day, which is not on my radar. Yeah. But, um, but I think I've been meditating now 10 or 15 minutes pretty regularly um, for a couple few years now. Yeah. But it happened organically. I started with one minute. And I didn't push myself to do more. Yeah. I just... Naturally. When more yeah. came, I just let it be. Your body started be literally becoming more relaxed. And it's important to know that this also takes practice, just like everything else. Just like you said in the beginning, you're thinking about, is med meditation over? Is it a minute yet? <laughs> and then the next thing you know, six minutes go by and you didn't even notice it. So practice makes, not perfect, but it helps you with meditation as well. Because a lot of people try meditation say, it just didn't work for me, but sometimes you just yeah. keep going. Maybe a different type of meditation, maybe a different voice, Sure. maybe a guided meditation. There are so many different ones. Here's what I would say about practice makes progress. Practice doesn't it's make progress. purpose. Yes. Practice makes progress. I like that. Perfection is the enemy of progress. Yes. Okay? Because yes. there's no such thing as perfection. That's right. We're human beings. We're dynamic creatures. You don't get to set our anxiety point every morning. Yes. It just is what it is. So I, I always ask patients questions about stress management. I want to know how much stress they feel like they're under. Give me a number on a scale of 1 to 10. Mm -hmm. 1 is everything's totally relaxed. 10 is you don't even know what you're doing here anymore. Yeah. Um, but I'm not really asking for the number. I'm not really asking um, how much stress do you have because everybody has a lot of stress, sure, basically. Sure. What I'm really asking is are you riding the waves or are they beating you up? And I can see that in people's faces by how they struggle to answer the question in general. And, and then we talk about uh, some people like high waves, or um, we talk about ways basically to make your raft bigger so yes. that they don't beat you up so much. That's great. That's and, great. and I think this is one strategy that people can use to calm their nervous systems to help them achieve that. Yeah. And you're talking to so many people. And how many years have you been in practice as a physician? Um, oh. I graduated from Case Western Medical School, class of 95. 95. Okay, so it's been a really long time. So do you think people are more stressed nowadays? Or do you think 
people are catching on to mindfulness and meditation? Or is it kind of, it seems like a new thing almost, mindfulness. I think we are more stressed. More stressed. I think we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the reason that we're catching on to meditation and mindfulness is because we realize that this, uh, this adrenaline rush can't be all there is. It, it can't. And know? that's what people are striving for, is an adrenaline rush. And it's very temporary. But I know you talked about um, writing a book about food. So I want to talk about mindful eating. I want to talk about what that means, what that is. That's probably one thing that I uh, lack big time because I'm a very <laughs> fast eater. <laughs> so what is mindful eating? Uh, what is it and how to practice it? Uh, so I don't think I'm an expert at this, and mm-hmm. I think I'm learning just as much as everyone else. Okay. Um, I think there's a couple things going on. Uh, one is that in our society, we have a, a lot of bad habits around food, uh, like like eating in our car, mm-hmm. like um, drive-through. Mm-hmm. Um, there's research showing that families that eat dinner together, that there are benefits yeah. to just eating dinner together, just spending time together without any screens on, etc. I think it's about appreciating your food, so gratitude, which mm-hmm. is an aspect of mindfulness. Yes. Uh, it's about tasting your food. It's about it being real food. Yes. Uh, you know, color and nourishing. Right. Um, it's about appreciating how the food got to your plate. You know, I don't think it has to. You know, we don't have to sit down and do a ten-minute meditation with everyone holding hands right. before we eat. But some acknowledgement of the fact that someone in your family spent some time preparing it. Sure, sure. Um, and tasting it. Yeah, you know, tasting, when we eat it quickly, yeah. we don't taste it. It just, you know. Yeah, and it takes our body, like, what, 20 minutes to even realize we're full? Or our brains, what I've heard at least. So I've maybe heard mindful that too. eating would make me eat less. <laughs> I th- yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. So meditation apps, um, do you recommend them? Because I, I find myself sometimes listening to just like some guided meditation with my kids on YouTube. But are there meditation apps that you know of that are um, successful? Yeah. I, I think any way you can get someone to meditate uh, is beneficial. Mm-hmm. So one, some of the ones that I've tried just for fun are um, 10% Happier I mentioned. Nice. Um, Headspace, I really like. Headspace. Uh, the the voice of the narrator in Headspace. Yes. Uh, Insight Timer is a nice yeah. one. Insight Timer is fun because you can set what type of meditation you want to do. You can set what time you want it to go off, and it yeah. gives you this very pleasant little ding <laughs> when it's done. So you could set, let's say, let's say you had seven minutes before you had to be somewhere. Sure. You could set it for seven or six minutes, and then you don't have to be concerned about whether you exceeded your time. You don't right. have to peek out of one eye to see what time it is. Right. You know it'll, it'll let you stop. know. Okay. Yeah, right. that's and a fun one. Yeah, and Cleveland Clinic has its own, uh, is it some kind of meditation app or a stress-free app? So this is an app called Stress-Free Now, and it was developed to teach people about mindfulness and meditation. Mm-hmm. It has a number of meditations associated with it, and I'm pretty sure you can download those Mm-hmm. just for fun, sure. uh, to use any time. 
but the program itself uh, guides you over the course of a few weeks through a lot of different aspects of meditation and mindfulness to teach you more about the topic. Okay, great. So we've learned so much about the benefits of meditation, mindfulness, um, adopting mindfulness in everything we do. Um, this was my last question, but I feel like we did already kind of talk about this, about I was going to ask you if there are any books, audiobooks, online resources that you recommend to our viewers. So I want to repeat the book that you mentioned earlier because it sounds really, really uh, interesting. Let the Great World Spin, right? You also mentioned 10% Happier by Dan Harris. Is there anything else that you would... Uh, any kind of resources to help our audience become more mindful and to learn more about what it is? Uh, I'm particularly fond of the writings of a Buddhist monk named Thich Nhat Hanh. It's spelled T-H-I-C-H, Nhat, I think, is N-A-H-T, okay. and Han might be H-A-H-N. Okay. Um, if you Google that, they will know who you mean. Okay. Uh, he's written a number of books. I've read a few of them. They all are really meaningful to me. They all are about being in the moment. Great. One particular book is made up of short observational chapters, very yes. short, one or two pages. And the one that just pops into my mind right now is Appreciating a Flower. Just one blossom yes. is such a good time of year to remember that every single blossom is such a miracle. Yes. They're so gorgeous, and, uh, and they're all unique, and, and we just drive by them without even thinking about them. They could be at our own front door, and, yes. and we just go flying out the door. Um, that's, that, it's the simplest message to me, and that's mm. all he's saying is just take a moment and smell the roses. Excellent. Have you ever read uh, The Power of Now? No. It's a similar book that reminds me of what you're describing and basically the same thing. Sometimes we just need to stop, look around, notice what's happening around us and you know, notice the miracle that we're living in. And thank you so much for being here today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> thank I you. really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And thanks again to all of our listeners who joined us today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to, me to read more about mindfulness from Dr. Sukol and other Cleveland Clinic experts, go to our Health Essentials site. It's health.clevelandclinic.org and just simply search for mindfulness or to check out the Stress-Free Now app by Cleveland Clinic, you can uh, go to clevelandclinic.org slash mobile apps. And to listen to more of our Health Essentials podcast from our Cleveland Clinic experts, make sure you go to clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcast, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And make sure you're still following us on social media for all the health news, tips, and information on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, just one word. Thank you. We'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.